0: Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, I just ask that you would give a special ability to make the message this morning simple and plain, and yet, Lord, that we would understand the great truths that are held in your Word. We ask that you would build our faith and our love for you, that our love may be true and honest to those with whom we live in this world. We ask for your grace to be with the Hymns that remain to be sung, the special music, the sermon, each part of this service, Lord, the invitation, the offering would be a reflection of your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, It profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, But rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity." These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Now, this morning, if you like a title for the message, I'd like to preach on faith versus charity. Uh, oftentimes, we try to make a separation, as, uh, and sometimes it's based on this last verse, and now abideth. Faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And sometimes there's a a supposed conflict between faith and charity. And I uh, want us to take a few minutes and just define some words here. In, In preaching, I've often tried to communicate There's a difference between what we call love and what true love really is. And I've often heard people say something like this, Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. I I love my children. I can't discipline them. And my rejoinder is that's not love. You know what? You love yourself because you don't want to do the work of disciplining those children. That's not love. The worst thing you can do to a child is give them whatever they want. You will destroy that life and render that person unfit to live in society as a whole. To be a testimony for Jesus Christ. You ever met anyone... How many of you work with someone that was raised that way, that has to have everything their own way? It's got to be everything they say. I mean, we all know people like that, don't we? I've heard people say, well, listen, it's not my job to condemn somebody, we just want to help them. How many of you have ever had a serious medical problem requiring at least surgery, if not some long term? Care to solve that. I mean, you've had something like that. Did you want the doctor saying, you know, it's not really a big deal, we'll just let this cancer alone in six months, you'll be dead, and everything will be fine? How many of you would like a doctor like that? You know what? You want the doctor to tell you the truth. I remember Brother Thompson's testimony. They diagnosed him with leukemia the first time. And the doctors looked at him and and he said, Well, what's going on? They said, if you do not enter chemo today, you will be dead in two weeks. He said, Okay, let's get started. And he survived. And lived for many more years. You see, love, as we're going to look, is not what we think love is. Love without boundaries is slavery. How many young people? How many poor Young women have listened to the line. Well, if you really love me, you will. Ladies, if you ever hear anybody, any man say that to you, run the other way. Because that's a lie. Love never ever says, well, if you love me, you would. That doesn't work that way. That's not, not, that's the Calvinist God. He says, if you, he says, I'll die on the cross for those that love me, but I won't die on the cross for those that don't. So that's why we don't like Calvinism around here. It's foolish. It's a man-made philosophy. It's a lawyer's understanding of the Scripture. And if you want to know how bad lawyers have messed up the Bible, just look at how bad they've messed up the American legal justice system. Uh, that's not where we want to go. Amen? You see, we need to understand a working definition. And there's a reason why our translators, as they were putting here, they took the Greek word for love and they put the English word charity here. Now, let me read you the definition for the word charity. Definition 1.1. Christian love. This is not a theological dictionary. This is the Oxford English Dictionary. A word representing cardios of the Vulgate as frequently rendered agape in the New Testament Greek with various applications as of subpoint A, God's love to man by early writers often identified with the Holy Spirit. Man's love of God and his neighbor is commanded in fulfilling of the law. Matthew 22, verse 37 and verse 39. Now, that's, that's not a theological dictionary. That's the dictionary of the English language. They nailed it. Charity is God's love. It's man's love toward God. It's man's love toward his neighbor. If you want a working definition, I I often prefer working definitions to textbook definitions, is a love that acts. Pardon me, i got to do this one more time. How many of you have written notes in second grade? I love you. Do you love me? Circle one, yes, no, maybe. And it's unsigned. So how in the world do you know how to answer the question? You see, love, true love, Demands action. Love that acts is charity. That's why we in, in English, if you want to follow this out, that's why we have what we call charitable organizations. Because they take the donations and the benevolence of the love of people that are given to them and they pass it out to people who need it. You see. The word charity means love with action. And of course the greatest example is God himself John chapter 3 verse 16 say it with me for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him oh man i'm going to mess up John 3:16 this morning my brain is fried For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life is the end of the verse. And my brain is just too many things going on. Forgive me. There we go. Oh, that was right. Don't you just hate that? I've only been wrong twice and that's when I thought I was wrong, right? No. No. I want you to understand something. God's love action. Now, I want to read the definition of the word faith. Belief, trust, confidence. A confidence, reliance, trust in the ability, goodness, etc. Of a person, in the efficacy or worth of a thing, or in the trust of a statement or doctrine. In early use, only with reference to religious objects, this is still the prevalent application and often colors wider use. Now, what what the uh, uh, men who put the Oxford English Dictionary together are just simply saying, that faith, in its earliest sense, in the English language, was exclusively a religious word. And even when we use it today, it is still, God has those connotations. And, and that's why I use it in, in that sense, that uh, when we poke fun at evolutionists and people who believe that, we often say they have more faith than I do. Because you've got to ignore so many facts to believe in evolution. You've got to pass over so many things that only an undying belief in the non-existence of God, that's where the faith of the evolutionist lies, makes any sense at all. I was talking with a fellow on the street years ago, and I've used this example many times. He said, all you do is put God in the equation and it works. I said, you understand it. You see, in order for your equation to work, you've got to take God out. And so, when we get to the end of this chapter, chapter 13 here, it says that there are three that abide. These three, faith, hope, and charity. And it says the greatest is charity. And I want you to understand that those that would put a conflict between faith and charity, those who would say, well, sometimes you've got to choose love over being right, are not only foolish, but well-nigh blasphemous against the holiness of God. That is a false choice. One of the statements that just Boiled my blood when the Supreme Court decided to make law and rewrite 6,000 years of human history saying that homosexual marriage is a guaranteed right under the Constitution. And they carried little banners. Love has prevailed. No, 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 my friends. God is love. And love did not Prevail. Love was spit upon by the Supreme Court of the United States. And you study the facts. The homosexual lifestyle is one of the shortest lived lives a human being can choose to live. I do not know the story of every transgender person, nor do I intend to ever learn it. But everyone that I've heard anything about has talked about multiple suicide attempts. That is not the result of a healthy, normal mind. You see, Jesus said, I come to give you life, not death. If you could take the actual workings, the, the actual results in a normal life of that lifestyle and call it a disease, it would be the most researched disease in the world because it, of the age-limiting capacity of it, of the life quality destruction of it, of the amount of mental anguish and things that are included in that lifestyle... And there's nothing that torments the homosexual community any more than somebody like me holding a Bible and saying, you're wrong. You know what? They call people like me hate mongers and we're evil because we can't love people and all of this stuff. You know how much that affects me? Absolutely none. None. You see, because I have faith in God that He is right, and so it really doesn't matter what they say. But for me to turn around the other way and say, you're wrong because God said so, they won't do any research on the deaths of people on the murders committed by homosexual people against people who've been against them. Those statistics will never make the news. You know why? Because it goes against the world's definition of love. Now, I want to read you the third definition of charity out of the Oxford English Dictionary. Listen very closely. A disposition to judge leniently and hopefully, of the character, aims, and destinies of others, to make allowance for their apparent faults and shortcomings, larged heartedness, parentheses, but it often amounts, but often it amounts barely to fair mindedness toward people disapproved of or dislike this being appraised as a magnanimous virtue. Do you get what they're saying? The modern definition of the word charity is a disposition. The biblical definition of the word charity is God's love based on the character and the person of God. The modern definition is a disposition. How many of you have changed your disposition since you woke up this morning? You know what? I have, and you ought to be very thankful for it. Sometimes I wake up, and I can't breathe, and my head's all full of stuff, and I'm just... I, I, I need change. Amen? And, and I'm glad God changes disposition, and, and it's easily remedied. With a few sinus medications, everything works again. And, and listen, this is a disposition to judge leniently, To give approval to that which is disapproved. You see, if I use that definition of the word charity, all of a sudden there is a conflict. Because charity, that kind of charity demands the sacrifice of truth. That kind of charity demands me to ignore things that are real and embrace a reality that is created by words. Could I challenge you that that is probably the number one root of depression in our society today? Is people wishing to embrace a reality that doesn't exist and the struggle in their soul. You wonder why Pablo Picasso painted such pornographic and perverted paintings. He was trying to reveal in art the struggle in his soul between the pseudo reality that he wished was real and the real reality that he couldn't deal with. That's why I think all of Picasso's art stinks. I don't even call it art. It's gross, it's grotesque, it's it's disgusting. I don't pay any attention to it. Because I don't want the struggle of that struggle to be brought forth in a positive light when you can bring that same struggle to Jesus Christ and He'll take it away. Could we say amen to that? You see, I want us to understand something in, in our main text. We're going to use verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 13. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, the greatest of these, but the greatest of these is charity. This is not a list of unconnected things. This is a progression. Charity and faith do not conflict each other. You have to have both for each one to be real. If we'll look back First 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it'll spend the first several verses there telling us what the value of faith is without charity. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... He said, it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all the mysteries of mankind, if I had all faith, I could remove mountains and I didn't have charity. What's it say? It doesn't say, it is nothing. It says, I am nothing. Nothing. It says, even though I possess all these attributes, even though I have all faith, without charity, I, as a human being, am totally worthless. And then he goes on to saying that if I took everything I had and I gave it to the poor, if I allowed my body to be burned for the cause of truth, and yet without charity... It doesn't profit a thing. There is no good that comes of it. I didn't have the time that I would like to to research this, but I began to just think and go in my mind and try to find me some people like this. And I couldn't find anybody. Nothing came to mind of someone who gave everything they had... And didn't have any charity. Even Hitler's henchmen loved Hitler. And loved their mentality. Their faith was misdirected beyond any mention. But Charity is the natural result of faith. If you want charity, you've got to get faith first. Because you go down and read through this list of things that charity does. Charity suffereth long. How in the world do you put up with other people if you didn't have faith in God that said that God is long-suffering toward me and He forgives me, and if I will accept God's forgiveness, then I must pass it on to my fellow man. You see, charity without faith is definition number three. It's a magnanimous human being. Have you ever met one? If you have, it doesn't take long to find them because they'll tell you all about themselves. They'll tell you how good they are and what good they've done and how they've changed the world and how they've done all of these things. But you see... We just had a wedding here a week ago, Saturday. Would an honest bride accept the name change and provision without any love? That would be a sham, would it not? And yes, I know there were arranged marriages and things like this. But you, you look at those, you study those things that are in the Bible, and you'll find out that when God put two people together, they learned to love each other. Isaac and Rebecca, don't, don't tell me that they didn't love each other. They did. It's reflected in the words of the Scriptures. You see, faith without charity is totally worthless. Charity without faith is to take truth and sacrifice it so you can have harmony. You want me to tell you how you can have harmony in a, in a room full of musical instruments that aren't playing the same song? Is you make sure they can't, use, they can't make any noise. That's all you do. You take all the reeds away from the wind players and the mouthpieces away from the trumpet players and the sticks away from the, the percussion players. And they do anything they want and it won't be in disharmony because they're not doing anything. But if they're going to play in harmony, you know what they have to have? They all have to have the same music in front of them. And guess what? It has to be transposed to fit the voice of the instrument. I I play the alto saxophone. And not to get too complicated... But when I open a hymn book on Sunday night and play, I don't play what's written. Because if I did, it would be horrible. And I'm loud enough to make you hear it, even with the piano on the PA system. I have to change the notes. Uh, I take the cheater's version, I drop it a third, add three sharps, and jump it an octave. And uh, uh, if that makes any sense to you, then you know what I'm doing. If it doesn't, Don't worry about it. It works. It's just musical nomenclature. You have to raise it to 60. You have to change the key. And uh, yet, we have all these people that want to start with charity. And they don't have any faith. And it's not Charity it's a fake worthless feeling that only destroys and brings strife you look at the history of our country in the last 20 years how much talk has there been about unity and solving problems how how, how much peace has been preached from the pulpit over here at the united nations building I dare say we could probably come pretty close to filling the building with the blood of people that have been murdered and destroyed by that quote unquote peacekeeping organization. Those are the facts if you want to study the history. You see, let's go to Romans chapter 5. And in Romans chapter 5, we're going to see the working relationship of faith and charity. And someone said, well, well wait a minute preacher, our, our text has three words in there faith, hope and charity. Well, you wait till we get through Romans chapter five. Uh, hope is all through Romans chapter five. In fact, if I gave this sermon a proper name, it would be the bridge of hope because hope is the bridge. It is the connection between faith and charity. It's what makes it all work. And that's why it's a progression. And and you need to get to the point to where you're exercising biblical charity. That's God's love toward God. And if you truly love God, guess what? You cannot stop yourself from loving people. God's way. And one of the reasons God, the Bible says God is love, one of the reasons the Bible says that, it's a statement of truth, is because God only wants what's best for you. Because God only wants what's best for God. And you are the beneficiary. I am the beneficiary. When God does things God's way, I'm the one that benefits the most. Because God cannot be changed. He doesn't need changing. But I sure do. How about you? Can we say amen to that? And so, let's go to Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. It says we're justified by faith. I believe that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, He meant what He said, He said what He meant, The price of sin was paid, and all I have to do is believe on Him, and He'll take away my sins forever. Past, present, and future. Can we say amen to that? You see, I'm justified by faith. But God did not save me to be me. Because you wouldn't like that. Neither would God. He saved me to be His servant. He saved me to live for Him. You see, I have a hope that one day when I stand before God, God's going to get some glory out of what He did in my life. How many of you share that hope today? Would you raise a hand or say amen or do something? Yes. That's that's the whole goal. And so... We move forward here in verse 3 and it says, not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. James chapter 3 says, rejoice when you fall, James 1 verse 3, rejoice when you fall into diverse temptation knowing that it's going to work patience. You see, faith has got to be tested. One of the things that we're doing is we're rebuilding this building. Is we are putting things in place. We're putting new structures in place to secure what is there. Uh, As I was trying to explain what we're doing to landmarks, I I said, listen, you need to understand something. It was only the grace of God that kept those towers from falling off the building. I said, we can't. We can't do anything that's going to allow the water to pool up on top of those roofs again. When I got there, they had the message. They said, yeah, yeah, no, no, we're with you 100%. We don't want want bowls on top of the towers. So, listen. You got to test things. If you've ever had to use chain or rope, we've got lifelines secured at different places. And the reason it's called a lifeline is because a 200-pound man falling 16 feet will exert 4,000 pounds of pressure when you reach the end of the rope. Now, that will break limbs and ribs and that's why there's a fall arrest thing there that stretches that thing out and slows you down a little bit. But the rope you're attached to is rated at 5,000 pounds. Why? Because your tool belt may be 40 pounds. Uh, you may have some extra things there that make you above that limit. And so the lifeline has to be exceed that. But if you take a 5,000 pound rated lifeline and put it in a 200 pound Anchored, guess what? You're going to hit bottom. It's got to be anchored securely. It's got to be tested. It's got to be proven. It's got to have little tags. And if you go through and cut the tag off your lifeline because it's bothering you and the inspector shows up, you're going to get fined. Because it has to have the test tag on it. It's got to be proven. Well, God does the same thing to your faith. Only you know what the best thing about faith is? It grows as it's tested. It, it gets stronger. If you fall, if someone falls and actually extenuates that thing and tests that rope, you've got to cut it down and take it to the court and they've got to examine it and then they throw it away, you can never use it again. But see, God takes your faith and brings it to the absolute limit. And it gets stronger. That's why when you're going through difficult times, we're supposed to be thankful because God is growing our faith. You see, He's got a plan here. Look what it says here. It says, Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and verse 4, and patience experience. Have you ever met anybody that has real experience in your field of of expertise? I I'm not an expert, but I used to do some body work and stuff and I had the privilege of working with a man named uh Chuck Sheffy in Cleveland, Ohio and and, and brother Sheffy was a was a good friend and and a great helper with us and one of the things was I was 25 years old, 26 years old, working on Brother Clayton's trucks, and I'm saying, man, man, we gotta go. And he's sitting in the break room drinking coffee, eating donuts, telling bad jokes—not dirty jokes, just bad jokes, you know, ones you've heard 50 times. And, And I'm sitting there going, "We're, we're waiting." He said, "Go out and work if you want." He said, "We got a, we got a little program here." He was trying to teach me something. I learned. He would come out a half an hour later. And get more done in half the time than I could in twice the time. And it was always a better job. You know why? Because he had experience. He knew how long the job was going to take and he didn't waste effort. If I had some way to go back and re- get back all that wasted effort, we wouldn't even be working at Union now. We could have just put it all together but that's the way we are is we got to learn it takes experience but experience only comes through patience patience only comes through tribulation but what does experience bring in verse 4 hope hope How many you say, preacher, I could use a little more hope? Uh, then get ready for tribulation, because that's where it starts. Oh, wait, wait a minute, I don't need hope that bad. Oh, yes, you do. Don't go asking for it. God will bring it along in His time, with His measurement. You cannot speed up the process. Of God working in your life. But you've got to have faith first. You know what happens to a lot of people? Is they start out with faith and then God brings some tribulation and they don't like it. And so they short circuit their faith. And God can't do what he wants to do. If you've ever met anybody that knows the definition practically in their own life of the word suffering, you've, you've met a patient person. But there are some people who seemingly suffer their whole lives long and never get a bit of it. You see, it's got to be based on faith. You know what faith is? Faith is believing that God is and that God is good. And if I believe those two things and hold on to them, God will take tribulation and He'll work patience. He'll take patience and He'll work experience. He'll take experience and experience will bring me hope. Now, verse 5, here's the end of our bridge. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. See, this is what I mean by a biblical commentary. Every point in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen is explained in detail in Romans 5, 1 through 5. you got to have faith. You're not getting to heaven without it. But if you don't let God build your faith into hope, you're never getting to charity. And if you don't get to charity you've missed out on 90% of what God wants to give you in your Christian life. You've missed out on just about everything. That's not a simple process. It's not a quick one. But every one of us have been helped, quote unquote, helped, by people who have other interest at heart. That's not love, my friend. That's a lot of other nasty words that we could think of today. Manipulation. Control. You just go through the list. Jealousy. Uh, if you want to get fancy, codependence. I mean, you, you, can, you can just go through the list of all the wicked words that the world has invented to call sin nice things. But I'll tell you this, I have been helped by some people that actually loved me and cared about me. And that's a wonderful thing. Amen? But see, that love's got to be based on faith. And it's got to work through the parameters or the boundaries of faith. And as as that love works through faith, I actually have something that I can help someone else with. Fear is a terrible thing, and we don't have time this morning to go to First John chapter 4 and talk about the relationship between fear and love. But if you want to know the opposite of love, it's not hate, it's fear. Fear is the love destroyer. See, I don't need to be afraid to reach out and help someone else if I'm giving them words of God. I don't need to be afraid even if they reject it because I've done my duty. What I need to do is have faith in God to the point to where my faith starts working out and touching other people's lives in a way that brings them closer to God. That's how faith and charity work together. It is the ultimate expression of faith. You can't have faith and not touch someone else's life. can't do it. Read James chapter 2. That's what got Luther so upset. Faith in works. We don't believe in works. We believe in grace. No works, no works, no works. Well, listen, if it don't work, maybe it's broke. How about it? If it's real, it works. And your faith has been made to work. And the definition of that work that your faith is supposed to do is a word called charity. Which simply means love in action. And what we need to do for the next few moments, if we would, is number one, you need to look in your own life, do I have faith? Because if you don't have that, nothing matters. You've got to start with faith. Faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the only Savior, as the Creator who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. But has your faith done anything? Can your faith stand the test when God turns up the heat? Well, there's a process there. That process is called hope. You walk on the bridge of hope and it will take you to charity. God will change your life and make it count for His glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And Lord, my prayer first is that each person in this room would have faith in God. They would be born again the Bible way and... Lord, we cannot help but believe that there must be someone, someones here this morning that have yet to be saved, have yet to make that decision to be born again the Bible way. Lord, we pray that today they would be willing to stop trying and working. And simply put their faith in Jesus and His finished work to save them. Lord, we pray for the, those that are saved here today. That they'd be somewhere on that pathway to charity. Maybe they're in tribulation. Maybe they're somewhere between patience and experience. But Lord, we pray... That we would understand that hope is our right as believers in God. And that that hope will make us not ashamed because the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts. And Lord, once our heart is full of the love of God, it's got to reach out and touch others. Lord, I pray we would not be satisfied with this new definition of the word charity. Charity. Lord, we would only be satisfied with the true biblical definition of that word, which is God's love. Help us, Lord. Open our eyes that we can see and make decisions so that you can use our lives to bring glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation this morning is let Jesus come into your heart.